No-till farming. Is it the future? We'll get a Canadian's view on it on the programme this week. We've been no-tilling for quite a few years. We're using an intensive cover crop routine with our no-tilling practices, so we use about 18 species. More from Blake Vince soon. Later, deal or no deal? It seems we're heading for the latter on Brexit. I think that the people of this country are full of resolve and purpose, and we will look after the farming sector. I'll get the views from Phil Stocker at the National Sheep Association on what the new Prime Minister has had to say in the week. The week in agriculture. This is the farming program with Sean Dunderdale. Good morning, especially if you've been up all night yet again working on Harvest 19. Yep, it's well underway now. Even if you're not in farming, you'll have noticed the machinery day and night in those fields that you're driving past. Uh, Our agronomist, Sean Sparling, has certainly noticed it. Nothing passes him. Morning, Sean. Yes, morning, Sean. You can't fail to notice the number of extra tractors and trailers and combines and farm staff out there on the roads. But please bear in mind, they're at work and they are doing a job to grow the food and harvest the food that goes to feed you. You wouldn't be able to do your job if farmers weren't doing their job and growing the food and the fuel, which will become even more important as Brexit looms on the 31st of October that we become more and more self-sufficient. So as they pull off the road which they will do if you're behind them wave at them with all five fingers if you wouldn't mind, not just one or two on your right hand as you go hurtling past into oblivion on your holidays. Um, So all seed rape, there are some disappointments out there in the field. Some of the crops that have looked really well all year struggling to do two and a half to three tonnes per hectare in places and that is a testament to the year. Not least the cabbage stem flea beetle but also things like the dry winter so propizomide the herbicide we put down the residual herbicide that goes down to control grass weeds black grass bromes all of those weeds it's been too dry for that to do a really good job and a lot of that black grass has actually started to recover and it's only now that we get the combines going through we can see the effect that that black grass has had on a crop which is already struggling to get hold of water and nitrogen and the black grass has been accessing that pool of nutrient and water and taking it away from the crop itself. That will explain some of it. Also, as we said, the cabbage stem flea beetle out there, much more significant this year up here than we have ever seen this far north on the east side and you only have to go into the grain stores to see the numbers of cabbage stem flea beetle adults which are coming in unprecedented i've never seen such levels i've posted pictures on my twitter feed of the grain store floors go to at sas agronomy and have a look and it's quite phenomenal and what we need to understand going forward is that actually hitting those cabbage stem flea beetle in the growing crop in this coming autumn will be vital It doesn't matter how many times you go, if you're not hitting the target, you're wasting your time. And that's proven by the fact that in grain stores, where we're using KOBiol, which is a deltamethrin-based treatment to control grain store pests, that's actually controlling the cabbage stem flea beetle adult. Now, what that says to me is, deltamethrin is a pyrethroid, If the cabbage stem flea beetle adults are coming into contact with it and it's killing them, that means if we can hit them, we can kill them in the field, which is why it is so important to time the insecticide. It's not number, it's not quantity, it's the quality of the application, and we all need to bear that in mind going forward. Winter barley, a bit scrawny coming in to the, the stores this year off the combine, and again, that's inevitable really when you get to the end of May. 
and these crops pushing into here and they've had very little moisture that's why these crops are scrawny we've got a lot of secondary tillering they put their energy in the late tillers they're still green but the ears are fit so it's not going to be the best harvest but that doesn't necessarily mean it's not going to be a good money harvest because lower yields invariably will lead to better prices for us so the reason this season has been so complicated, from the 1st of January to the end of May, I took 123.8 millimetres of rain. That's a tiny amount of rain, five inches of rain, an inch a month average. And when you consider we're putting crops in the ground in good conditions, they then need rain to wash the nitrogen in and to feed the crop and give the crop a drink. If you're not getting that, the crop's already under stress. Then you get June, where we get five, six inches of rain in the course of 48 to 72 hours. A lot of the nitrogen washed past the poor root system which these crops had because they'd already been under stress and were struggling to get going and then you get a week like we've just had and that's why they're turning as quickly as they can that's why farming is not a precise science that is why people who are involved in farming are the most resilient people you will ever meet it is a stressful industry it's hard work it's heartbreaking at times it's soul destroying at times but i don't know a farmer that won't keep doing it because we just have that constant belief that next year will be the one 28 years i've been doing this job sean 32 if you count my training i don't think i've ever seen a normal year and i have to say this is one of the most unusual years i've ever seen for so many extremes of weather indeed such extremes thank you sean sean sparling of sparling agronomy services now they say a week is a long time in politics and it's fair to say a lot has happened in the past fortnight. We've seen the election of a new Prime Minister, a new DEFRA Secretary and of course the return of George Eustace as well to DEFRA. After our discussion about rural crime there was that pledge from Boris Johnson to recruit more police officers. But what about Brexit? It does seem from the makeup of the new government alone that we are edging closer to no deal by the end of October. Here's what your new Prime Minister had to say during a visit to Wales this week. If they can't compromise, if they really can't do it, then clearly we have to get ready for a no-deal exit. And uh, I think we'll, we'll do it. I think that the people of this country are full of resolve and purpose, and we will look after the farming sector. How, uh, we How will make exactly sure, will you look after We will make sure that they have the support that they need, uh, that if there are markets that are going to be tricky that we help them uh, to find new markets, that we uh, have interventions uh, that are aimed to support uh, them and, and their incomes. And uh, the, as you know, DEFRA, the, uh, the ministry has done a huge amount already to prepare in advance to March the 29th. We'll do even more uh, to prepare in the run-up to uh, October the 31st. When we come out, what the government is working on now, uh, with a great deal of energy and confidence, is to get our, our farming sector totally totally prepared boris johnson there on that trip to wales in the week so what does the national sheep association make of it uh, phil stocker is its chief executive well goodness me i mean it, it, at the moment it just all adds to the uncertainty and confusion that uh, that, that uh, the farming industry and uh, i suppose society has been living with for nearly three years now and uh, you know we've arrived now at a really uncertain time where uh, the direction that we've taken over the last three years could be uh, turned on, on on its head, really. So there's one or two things that you could be encouraged by, and certainly the commitment by Boris Johnson that um, they, 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 there's there's certainly a very strong willingness there to support the sheep industry in a in a in the case of a uh, a no deal with Europe and a crash in our marketplace. And 
for the first time yesterday, the Prime Minister started to talk about um, maybe a, price, a, a type of price guarantee scheme, which is exactly what we have been talking about for some time. Indeed, he was speaking obviously with the uh, the Welsh farmers, and uh, as you say, there's maybe maybe a glint glint of hope coming through, but it does seem like no deal. Well, it seems like it's inevitable already now, doesn't it? Well, it does, and the, uh, well, it does seem like it, it's a very. Um in a way, it's a very uh, final negotiating position, isn't it, really? And uh, uh, you'd definitely say that the, the threat of a no-deal seems more likely. I mean, it could still be that the, the tactics um, come off. You know, no one knows yet. And uh, within our industry, the sheep industry, you know, we've been very uh, appreciative of that commitment from ministers um, within this uh, you know, current administration, but also previously to, to recognize the difficulties that the sheep industry might have and to commit a level of support. But the key thing for us, a really important thing, is that we, we don't really want uh, a payout, a handout, after things have go, gone wrong. What we want to do is to put something in place very early with some uh, commitments and guarantees that actually avoid the market going wrong in the first place. We, we, we feel that and whatever happens, a deal or a no deal, that there are things that can be done to avoid problems occurring. We do not want a, a, a market crash or a price crash that, uh, and that then leaves the industry dependent on some sort of rescue payment afterwards. And so it's a, street, a strategic approach compared to yeah, some sort of rescue payout when, you know, after things have been allowed to go wrong. Because at DEFRA, George Eustace has returned as Minister. We now have Theresa Villiers as Secretary of State. I believe you've actually met with the, the new Secretary of State or had a conversation with her anyway. Uh, well, I've met with the, the new Secretary of State now uh, previously before she came into this role. I've, I've met with her um, twice over the last year, I guess, to, to discuss um, issues, mainly issues around um, animal welfare and, and, and how um, some of their thinking affects the sheep industry and those two um, topics would have been very much around the halal market and um, and, and sheep exports as well. And uh, it was very clear to me that she is someone for whom animal welfare is at the top of the agenda. I personally don't feel we got any challenges or problems there within the, the sheep industry. I think we're a very welfare-friendly livestock farming sector. But um, yeah, we just need to make sure that these people that are making very important decisions are as well informed as they can be. Of course, we were talking with the uh, the previous administration about having a lot of freezes yeah. if, if we're going to have to freeze an awful lot of lamb as we approach the 31st of October. Yeah. Is that still the case, do you think? Well, I think it probably still is the case. It certainly needs to be uh, considered. And the reason for this is that um, if you look at the tonnage of land that we produce here in the UK and the, uh, the, the tonnage of land that we actually consume in the UK, it would be relatively equivalent. It would be, sometimes it might vary by just a, a, a few thousand tonnes, but within um, a, a, a total of around 300,000 tonnes. So, you know, we're more or less in balance. And the reason that we export and the reason that we import is really to um, balance out seasonality. And most of our uh, ewes with lamb, our sheep with lamb in uh, in the springtime. And, and again, we get a peak of production around the late summer and in, into the autumn. So even in the out throughout the year is something that imports and exports have, um, have allowed to happen. If that global trade is put under some sort of challenge and we're and we end up with our market looking very attractive for importers in New Zealand in this case, um, and our exports drying up, then we need to find another way of um, evening out that supply of lamb onto the market. And really the other most obvious way of looking at that is to think about um, being more self-sufficient, 
possibly for a period of time, and then been able to store lamb at times of peak production uh, with the ability to feed it out onto the market at times of uh, lower production, really. So that would in- require some investment in either long-term chilling uh, storage or possibly some freezer capacity as well. But there's also other markets that we could look at. At the moment, a lot of imported product would be being um, would be supplied into. You know, our public procurement markets, things like our armed forces, our hospitals and schools. You know, to the, the, those markets, really substantial markets, should be brought into play here to to help overcome some of the market um, turbulence that we're likely to see. Yeah, as you say, opportunities there for the taking potentially. Mm, absolutely. Now, we're focusing very much on October the 31st. There's another date for the diary, which is, um, well, Tuesday the 28th of July, next year, 2020. That's when uh, the National Sheep Association have got their their sheep, 2020. And by that stage, we hope, (laughs) we might know what's going on. So that'll be a key event, won't it, for sheep Uh, farmers? It, it, uh, absolutely it will it'll be a key event at a time when um the, the industry and the country i guess is start, just starting to become much clearer about where we're going and, and some of these decisions should be should be made so yeah absolutely uh it, it, sheep 2020 will be a, a, a crucial event and a really valuable event for the industry and for policymakers uh, to try to yeah put a bit more definition in how we're going to move this industry forward and also update farmers, the people on the ground, about what they can best do to take advantage of all of that. Thanks for joining us. That's Phil Stocker, the Chief Executive of the National Sheep Association. Earlier, Sean Sparling mentioned the weather extremes we've witnessed over the past few weeks. Look at Derbyshire just this week. Now, if we're discussing weather extremes, cast your minds back to the very muddy cereals event earlier this year at Boothby Graffer. I think I'm still finding mud in places it really shouldn't be. Anyway, if you were there, you might well remember there was an international flavour for visitors. We heard from a Kenyan agronomist a few weeks back, and I thought it worth hearing from someone else who attended, Canadian farmer Blake Vince. He's very passionate about soil health and no-till farming, and isn't afraid to try out new ideas. Yes, absolutely. Uh, it's just due to the fact that I've been at the right place at the right time. You know, I grew up in this environment, 11 years of age. We've been no-tilling on our farm today. I'll be 47 in July this year. Uh, I've never used a moldboard plow, so I don't know any better, as some people would say, you know. And, and I just realized that I see that we're still in business. We're still acquiring land. We're still moving forward. We're growing our business uh, slow and steady. Growth is how I like to call it. And so, yeah, I am passionate about soil because it's been very successful. That's been our, uh, the thing that's kept us in business, I guess. And we all need soil. You know, the industry, This industry, all the farmers around us would not survive without healthy soil. That's correct. And uh, soil is one of the most, you know, precious, non-renewable resources that we have on the planet. And yet the majority of us take it for granted. So tell us a little bit about what you are doing over, over in Canada. So at home in Canada today, like I said, I've been no-tilling for quite a few years. We're using an intensive cover crop routine with our no-tilling practices. So we use about 18 species planted simultaneously after wheat harvest to remediate the soil, build up soil organic uh, nitrogen to reduce our dependency on fossil fuels, synthetic fertilizer, and also just to make sure that we have better increased water infiltration. And today, with all of this rain that's fallen here recently, you can see how that is such a, a powerful ally as we try to grow our crops. Now, what advice would you give to one of our listeners, perhaps, who's thinking, maybe I should go down the no till route? How do you start out? Well, I, first I would find yourself uh, an ally or a mentor close to home that has similar soil conditions that maybe you can rely on and try and help learn from their mistakes if they're willing to share 
uh, that's sort of where we've sort of helped other people try to get to where we are today is that we've used a mentorship approach and I think that's better than any any approach that you can get from potentially a sales individual because there's no uh, there's no confusion in the relationship right there's nothing to be gained there's no financial motivation from somebody's advice it's just you know maybe you need to pay the guy the non-biased advisor a little sum of money for some advice that there's nothing wrong with that uh, but I think that's where I would start it's clearly working for you as well um, uh, very profitable yeah no we're doing well like we're like I said we're ticking off all the boxes we're moving forward we're growing our business uh, we're having fun at the same time you know it's it's I'm proud of my business I'm proud of what we accomplished I'm looking forward to what the next 10 15 20 years presents it's working for you you're looking at your neighbors they're not doing the same kind of thing why do you think that is because they can clearly see over the fence and see what you're up to Um, I think they're curious Uh, I think a lot of the neighbors uh, look at my opportunity or the opportunity that I'm trying to do and if I can save money uh, they're intrigued by that they, uh, as I've had some struggles from the early years as I've adopted this new system, uh, they don't want to endure those same risks. And farming is a learned profession, and that's what the biggest obstacle is, is that they have to unlearn what it is they've learned from previous generations. And so we need to be willing to challenge the status quo. And a lot of farmers, because the margins are so thin today, they don't want to endure that potential risk. And so they have to get past that little hurdle before they can really go to the next level. Of course, the climate in Canada is much different to the climate here in the UK, but it, it can still work here. Absolutely. With 100% certainty, it can still work here. we got to remember, when we walk across a lot of these soils in the UK, they weren't covered with a single species that we see out there on the paddock. And that's what it's all about. We have to increase soil diversity with plants. And we have to do it with lots of plants, not just three or four, lots of plants. That's Ontario farmer Blake Vince. What do you make of what Blake's doing there? Agree? Disagree? Get in touch. Let me know your views. Here's a couple of other stories this week you might have views on. If so, again, do get in touch. First, the High Court has ruled the ban on metaldehyde slug pellets has been overturned. Uh, The decision by former DEFRA Secretary Michael Gove has been ruled unlawful, overturning the ruling last December, which saw metaldehyde withdrawn from sale with immediate effect. It means next year's planned ban on using them on the farm has also been thrown out, for now anyway. DEFRA is said to be considering its next move, so the fight might not be over yet. In other news this week, there's been a worrying number of reports of potato blight across the country and growers are being urged to carefully consider how crops are protected between now and the end of the season. The warnings come from AHDB Potatoes. And a farmer from Aberdeenshire has won a case, meaning they can reclaim more than a million pounds in VAT payments. Frank Smart took HMRC to the UK Supreme Court in a battle over farm subsidies. Right, let's get our weekly update from Openfield. How are the markets this week? Hello, Kit. The UK wheat market is currently waiting for some news from the US. We know that the US area of corn is uncertain, and it will stay this way until the 10th of August. The expectation for the corn area is to be down somewhere between 10 and 30 million tonnes on yield and area for the coming season. A 30 million tonne reduction will mean a tight balance sheet affecting the global wheat market, whereas a 10 million tonne reduction has already been factored in. If there is a lack of corn, wheat will be the replacement. And the question is, where will that wheat come from? Russia? The Ukraine? At the moment, this is still uncertain. So we are treading water until we have more news on the 10th of August. We're still waiting for the UK wheat to be combined to get accurate readings of quality and quantity. 
but early indications from the south of the country have been promising. Currency has played a big part in the UK markets in the last couple of weeks. Feed wheat has risen by £12.50 since the 1st of May on currency alone, but currency can be volatile and drop just as quickly as it rises. So it's worth keeping an eye on prices, because if currency starts to strengthen, the £12.50 rise we have seen since the 1st of May will start to reduce. All seed rape harvest is well underway in Lincolnshire, but has been affected this week by wet weather and harsh thunderstorms. On a slightly brighter note, the all-seed rate prices have risen this week because of two main factors. As I said earlier, currency has played a big part recently, giving a £12.50 rise to feed wheat. When this is related back to the all-seed rate market, the rise comes to £24.49p, of which £8.64p has come in the last 10 days, since the 23rd of July. The second reason is a reduced area of all-seed rate planted and early indications show a lower yield than expected. Early winter barley results, on the other hand, look much better, with many growers achieving 10 tonnes to the hectare or more, with good nitrogens and bushel weight. This will hopefully be a good sign for all cereal crops this year. Some spring barley has been cut, but not enough to get an accurate reading for yield and quality. Beans this week, there's limited news on the bean market due to a lack of buyers in the UK and abroad. So moving on to prices... Wheat for August, straight off the combine, is 134 to 136. November, 139 to 141. February, 143 to 145. And May, 146 to 148. Milling premiums are currently 16 to 18 pounds. All seed rate prices, as I said, improving. August, X the farm, 317 to 319. November 327 to 329, February 323 to 324, and May 325 to 327. Barley, August 119 to 121, November 123 to 125, February 126 to 128, and May 127 to 129. Malting premiums are circa 15 to £18, pounds, but you should get in touch with your open field farm business manager for bespoke prices on sample. Beans, November 205 to 207, with very limited carry going forward to May at 210 to 212. Thanks, Kit. That's uh, Kit Dickinson with our weekly update from the team at Open Field. The Farming Programme, five-day forecast. Yes, on to the weather then. And an area of low pressure is hanging over the UK throughout this week. It's going to bring an unsettled week, it's fair to say. Some rain possible today could be heavy where it does fall. And there could well be showers or longer spells of rain throughout the week, really. A bit dry tomorrow, but a rather damp Tuesday afternoon by the looks of things. The jet stream, that's staying to the south of the UK, so that is bringing that cooler air in from the north. It could mean a rather wet end to the week as well, certainly by next weekend. Uh, We're looking at daytime highs this week, around 20 Celsius. Not much above, really. Overnight lows, 12 or 13. And the wind, it's mostly from the west, maybe the southwest, towards the middle of the week. Not ideal weather for harvest. Uh, There will be some breaks, though, so make the most of them when they happen. For now, that is the forecast. 
The latest rural crime report from NFU Mutual is out tomorrow. I've had a sneak peek and it's not good reading, I'm afraid. You'll hear more in our news bulletins tomorrow morning. And of course, right now, if you want to, you can listen back to the podcast of last week's farming programme where we discussed rural crime and the work being done to try and tackle it. Of course, it's Farm 24 this Thursday, a day to celebrate on social media all that's good about farming, using the hashtag and sharing your stories. A staggering 114 million such posts happened over the 24-hour period last year, so will that record be broken this time around? Uh, We'll have to see on Thursday. Next week, here on the programme, an update on the Beat campaign with the return of an old friend making a guest appearance. Plus, we'll look at the campaign that's trying to keep bridleways open in the countryside. It's not easy, and it's not easy to find these sort of old routes. Or even decide, you know, you might walk your dog every day and think that your bridleway's safe and it's fine. But it's trying to encourage people to check that they are on the map in order that we make sure we don't lose any because they often form huge networks where we can have lots of safe off-road riding that people can enjoy whether it's on horses on bikes with their dogs um, and it's really trying to drive that awareness that we are in danger of losing something that we're all i suppose incredibly privileged to have the access to and after hearing from the rare breed survival trust last week and the national sheep association earlier on this week's program next week We'll get the latest from British Wool. Prices at the moment, they're pretty stable. Uh, we've had a good start to this season. And we are doing a lot of activity downstream uh, with partners in China. Uh, so we opened a Chinese office last October. So the idea behind that is to stimulate new demand for British Wool and also to gain a premium for British Wool, which longer term should help the producer and should help the prices of wool. That's all next week at the usual time. Until then, hope harvest goes well for you. Avoid those showers and have a good week. Take care.